0: thank you for listening and subscribing to the anchor church podcast it is our desire at the anchor to provide a place for you to know god find freedom discover your god-given purpose and ultimately make a difference in the world around you each week the anchor podcast features sunday sermon you can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting the anchor.me now let's get into the word god bless you it's a joy to be here with you um I've, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to, uh, to stand here. And, you know, I was thinking about my mom this morning, it being Mother's Day. And <clears throat> I was thinking about what she, rep- she represents so much to me and kind of the makeup inside me. And um, one thing that she really, I feel like, uh, that I got from her was, you know the scripture that says God's mercies are new every morning. Well that really there was a newness about my mom that probably not every day, but it feels like every day there was new joy and and new mercy certainly new mercy, new mercy <laughs> new mercy for me as I was growing up new mercy did I say new mercy and um and so uh I think that's so some people, you know, didn't have that experience with their mom and things like that, and I understand that, but I'm very grateful that I did. And <clears throat> I'm very grateful to God. But irregardless of y'all like that word, irregardless. <laughs> I'm from Alabama. Actually Pastor Quentin and I grew up like in the same neck of the woods. We went to the same high school and uh And so that's how come I talk funny. Let's see, what was I saying? I don't have anything to do with what I was saying. Oh, yeah, look, y'all want to see my socks. I got some new Maine socks. They have moose on them. (laughs) So I'm really excited because I got me some moose socks. And that doesn't have anything to do with my sermon either. It's new. It's new socks. His mercy's new every morning. So, you know, we've we've all actually the world's been grappling with something new in the last a little over a year. I think it broke out in the world, you know, in a in a in a really strong and impactful way what? Last March. End of February started people started or maybe in February people started hearing about it and oh no and oh me and all the lockdowns started and everybody start, started trying to do their best to respond. And boy, we've been all over the place in that and politics have been all around it and divided opinions and fights and some very powerful things, some very hurtful things. People, a lot of people have died. A lot of families have been impacted negatively, right? And And everybody in their own in their own way in their own orbit in their own space hasn't you, we haven't been able to ignore it right like you can't go to the store without a constant reminder on your face about this right and so different states are doing different things and different governors have responded differently and all the things and so this is a new thing because uh even though there have been pandemics before We've never been so globally connected. And so we know a lot more information about the way other people in other countries and other states and other cities and other towns are responding. Because it's it's like so instant back and forth. And we, we have a window into people's lives. And a window into people's kind of unfiltered opinions. Social media and those kinds of things. And so for a pandemic to strike. In these kinds of dynamics. It created something new for us. Didn't it? And so something new happened to the world. And. The, the question here is, is what, how should we think about that new thing? Because, you know, uh, Pastor Quentin mentioned that we've seen lots of the power of God. We've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen creative miracles. We've seen all kinds of things. And so I don't just have an opinion that God can do anything. I don't just have the doctrine that c- c- God can do anything. I have experience that God can do anything. When I was 19 years old, I was struck with blindness, and I stayed blind for about four months, and God healed me. And, and, and so it really doesn't do any good to try to convince me that God doesn't heal. You know, I was a young man when that happened to me, and, or still a kid, really, still a teenager, and I was a freshman in college. And uh, what's that saying? A man with experience is not at the mercy of a man with an argument. And, and so I really know that God can do anything. Now, the first way that I know that God can do anything is because the Bible says that God, all things are possible. Right? God can truly do anything. And of all the thousands of people, I don't know how many people we've seen healed and God do dramatic things in their life. Um, and that, and that, that's an amazing thing to say. Some people never really get to see even one miracle in their life. And I've seen so many, I've lost track of them. And there's, there's a couple of things that that's done for me. One, I already mentioned, it cultivated in me an attitude that God can do anything. The second thing that it's done is convince me a different way to look at problems. Because every one of those miracles resulted from a problem. The bigger the problem, usually the bigger the miracle. That's the way we rate it, you know. it's like People, people like to hear... Like the dead raising story. Well, some people do. Some people it just makes them mad because they they don't know how to they don't know what to do with that, and it doesn't fit with their doctrine. And so, but most people are excited by that. And so, so, but you know what? I mean, just stop to think about it. What do you, what is what is one essential thing that you need to have in order to have a dead raising? You got to have a dead person. Now think about the person. Think about the family involved with the person who's dead. Okay, so this is a really big problem. It's a really, like, terrible thing. So from something terrible can emerge something extraordinary. So really, I've begun to think about problems, all problems, as opportunities, because that's what they are. And so the, the question really is is we have a really big problem that's been happening in the world in the last year or so. So if it's a really big problem, it's also a really big opportunity. Is this true? Yeah. And as the people of God, we really should be the purveyors of hope to the world. First to ourselves, because if, you, if, if you don't feel that and you're not resonating that in yourself, you can't really, you can't really leak out hope to someone else. You ever been around a pessimistic person? They're just pessimistic all the time. What do they leak on you when you get around them? Ooh. Does it just like invigorate you and encourage you and make you feel like that you can conquer, you know, climb any mountain to be around a pessimist? Why? Because they, we leak out our internal reality is what we do. And, and so, you know, we really speak with two voices. There's, there's what's going on inside, and then there's what comes out of our mouth. And so that's why, I don't know if you've ever heard a preacher maybe talk about love, but people go away mad. Well, that's because there's something inside going on that didn't match what came out of his mouth. And that's called hypocrisy, or that's called the opposite of integrity. Integrity is when your inside matches your outside. And so what's inside is what we leak on people. And our attitudes and our, 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 the, the cultivated way of thinking that we have. And this is what the Word of God can do for us. This is what discipleship can do for us. This is what all circumstances can do for us if we let them. How many of you know that problems happen? Okay, let's, let's take a survey. Can we take a survey real quick? <laughs> Some of you in here remember before you got saved. Most of us probably. Can you remember? Raise your hand if you can remember before you got saved. Okay, so now think about that That back there. Did you have one, maybe one or two problems before you got saved? Raise your hand. Anybody? Okay. Next part of the survey. Now, now you're sitting here, and most of you are born again. If you're not, we'll give you an opportunity in just a minute to get saved. But... The question is, have you maybe had a problem after you got saved? Anybody had a problem after they got saved? Yes. So life is a problem, isn't it? Okay, but you know what? As God's people, we really need to change the way we think about that. What we need to say is life is an opportunity. Because problems, every single problem creates an opportunity. At the very least, it's an opportunity for us to call out to God. It's an opportunity for us to choose to have the, good, the, the right attitude. It's an opportunity to find where is God in this. Now, some opportunities are easier to find God in than others, no doubt. But the question really is, this global opportunity that's clamped down on all of our lives and made changes... Like, even, even if they're not direct changes, this problem that we are all facing in the world has impacted all of our lives. And so the, the question really is, where's God in this? Isn't it? So I want to throw out a couple of things to us and to, to, to help us think about Maybe this a different way. So, since His mercy is new every morning, I want everybody, if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 43, verse 16, 17, 18, and 19. Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, it says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, And they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. So there's two big ideas here. Because God certainly is doing a new thing. He does the new things every single morning. Right? But he's doing a new thing in the world. He's doing a new thing in the church. He's doing a new thing in our country. And we can see and look and wring our hands because of all the negative things that are striking us. And it can cause us to, to despair because people are leaking out what's inside them. And those there's some not positive things about that going on in our nation right now. And we as the people of God are charged with the functioning to counteract that. And so what we need to do is understand the new thing that God is doing and change some things about the way we think so that what we leak out on people is positive and not negative. So that it engenders hope and not despair. So that it increases life and not death in people. And there's a key ingredient here. Verse 18 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. So if it's true that God is doing a new thing, and He is, prophets have c- proclaimed it. Now they've been all over the map on what that new thing means. And they've been trying to give definition. And, and, and we've been trying to grapple with the new thing that God is doing. But how, what is it about God... Are there some principles that we can learn that have to do with God when He does a new thing? The answer to that is yes. One of them is here. It's an, in, an essential ingredient, and that is forget the past. How many of you have been, really been, you've been standing and trying to let the ground stabilize, and you've been hoping for things to go back to normal? However, when God starts to do a new thing, back to normal is bad. Because if you really think about it, you were complaining in that old normal. And the new thing that God is doing always makes us wish for the old complaints that we had. I mean, can we really identify to that? I mean, really, really? Because we have this deal inside us where we're really looking for something. And we often turn around and look backwards hoping to find it. But really, in order to gain the new thing that God is doing, it's ahead. It's not backwards. It's not going to be the same. It shouldn't be the same. We should be moving forward Faith works in the direction that you look. And if you look forward in God, positive opportunities can happen. If you look backwards, well, have you ever tried to walk like this? (laughs) You're going to run into stuff. And, you know, it makes your neck sore. And and we can kind of look in a radius normally and comfortably, but more or less in front of us. If we try to move forward by looking backwards... We're going to fall. Yeah. Look at this. So, so there's a couple of examples uh, that show up in the scripture. Second Kings chapter 2. Now, some of you may know this story. And there was, there was a guy in the Old Testament, a prophet named Elijah. And he had an assistant. His name was Elisha. And Elijah was a cool guy. And Elijah was, had a great relationship with God. He had such a great relationship with God. God decided he liked him so much that he didn't let him die. He came and got him and took him. He never died. He's still alive right now. With God. I guess that's where he is. I mean, a fiery chariot came and got him and took him away. And nobody's ever seen him since uh, like that. Uh, unless maybe it was John the Baptist, which is what Jesus said. But anyway... Um, There's this cool story, and you should read this story. And so what happened is, is the whole company of prophets in Israel knew that God was fixing to take Elijah off of the earth. And Elisha got something in his heart. Now, Elisha was his assistant, and really what he did was wash his feet and get his stuff ready every morning and and evening before he went to bed. That's what Elisha's job was. But something rubbed off in his heart. And he decided, you know what, the way you've been functioning, Elijah, I want twice your anointing. I want twice your purpose. I want twice your power. I want twice your ability to work miracles. I want twice the ability to speak as the oracle of God to the people of God. So that's what he asked for. And look right here, it says, um, look at verse 9, it says, when they had crossed... The Jordan, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? So Elisha says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. But if you see me when I'm taken from you, it'll be yours. Otherwise, not. As they were walking along and talking together... Suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart. Well, that's kind of a weird thing to do, don't you think? He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah. And he went back and he stood at the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and he struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Because that's what happened when they they came up to the the River Jordan. And Elijah, Elijah parted the river, and they walked through on dry ground. And this was his test. He found out, wow, I got it. I got the power this man had, right? But... I'm bothered by this. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them apart. Sentence. Now why did he do that? Because it's really what is in the scripture that we just read. Forget the past. You see, Elisha... The clothes that he wore really, if you think of it as a representation of your functioning or kind of who you are or where you are in your maturity or what it is that you do or whatever. The mantle of the prophet, you know, they, they knew they would wear these clothes that they could distinguish them by. And it was, represent, it was representative of something. And so really for us, Elijah's cloak... Represented his power or his anointing or his purpose or his calling in God. And so Elisha wanted this new thing. For Elisha, it was new for him. Actually, it was new for everybody because what he asked for was twice what Elijah had. So it wasn't even the old thing that Elijah had, it was something new. And so what he did was, he tore off his old identity, his old purpose. He made the old thing unusable before he picked up the new thing. Because when we really, when we try to take on the new thing on top of the old, I'm just waiting on things to go back to normal, bless God. No, God's trying to do a new thing. And if we have one foot back in the old and we're not going forward in the new... I did this one time. When I first went to the mission field, I had a functioning in me. I had ministry success. I had understanding. I had all these things that that following God had gotten me to. Because the old... Oftentimes when we talk about do away with the past, do away with the old, we, we, it feels like a rebuke to us in that we got to flee something that was bad. But uh, Elisha was not bad. His clothes were not bad. It set him up for the new thing. But if we don't understand how God works when He does new things, which is, okay, you can't, you, you can't take on the new thing over the old. And we know that oftentimes when we get out into the unknown of the new, it feels uncomfortable. It feels disconcerting. And there's a temptation to go back to that old garment that felt good. That's why Elisha tore it in half. Because and that's what God's saying to us make it unusable. Otherwise, you will be tempted to go back to what's comfortable. You will be tempted to go back to the old thing. But God doesn't want us to go back. He wants us to forget the past. In that respect. It doesn't mean the testimony is no good. I just shared with you that God healed me. See, like, I'm not blind anymore because God healed me. Sovereignly and supernaturally. So for me to... To, for me to remember something that happened in the past is not wrong. That's not what God is talking about here. But pining away for the way things were is not proper for the people of God. We are people of the forward. We are people of moving ahead. We are people that are, that are destined to be undominated by the currents of this present world. And so it crops up again in Luke. Look at Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 verse 36. It's it's really the same point with the same with a different illustration. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it onto an old one. If he does, he'll have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old wow so if god's really doing a new thing i wonder how often we look at the new thing that he's doing and we feel really comfortable with the current thing that got us there and so what we do is we go "Mm hmm I don't know about that whole thing over there. Let me grab me a piece of that and add it on. Because see, I got this wore out spot right here that I've been needing to fix. And it's actually the thing that makes us look for something new is we got a wore out spot right there. And we're walking through life and we're thinking, I need to repair this. And God's going, no, I'm not into repair. I'm into renewal. I'm doing something new today. It's new. So, but oftentimes, I know I've done it. Who knows how many times? The Lord will probably straighten me out. I know I know He's not happy. Every time I cherry pick, I grab a corner of that, tear it off, put it on the old wore-out garment that feels so comfortable to me. But you know what happens? See, I didn't just buy moose socks yesterday. I bought a sweatshirt, too. And that lady at the store said, Oh, you better buy a size, one size up, because it'll shrink. Why will it shrink? Because it's brand new. It's unshrunk. (laughs) And so I want it to shrink right down to the size that I like. So I need to buy a bigger size. How come? Well, what happens if you cherry pick on the new thing that God's doing, tear it off, put it right on there, run it through the washing machine because, you know, life stinks and get, it gets on you. So it builds up stinks. So we need to wash the clothes. We put them in there and we, we get the tide and it goes around. And then we have these awesome things called dryers and we put it in there and we get it out, it's worse. You know why? Because when we don't get rid of the old completely, and we put on even a part of the new, it always causes destruction. So if we take on a new mantle, a new purpose over our old one, without taking that one off, god functionings, God-anointing, God purpose, God calling, God orders, God directions. If you take on new over the old and don't settle it, confusion, insecurity, unsettledness will happen to you. And you will not be able to pray and fast the confusion away because it will not be the devil. I've done this. It is not fun because I've never heard this taught on really like this and I never even knew it was possible, but I took on a new purpose over without getting rid of the old purpose and boy, it threw me into confusion. And you want to know a terrible thing? Try to follow a leader that inside is insecure but outside has lots of horsepower, gifts, and anointing. That's a terrible thing. He's in confusion. And what do we do? What did I say that we do? We leak out on people our internal reality. Don't we? And so really, if we're going to learn from God, His principles of how it is that He deals with things that are new, He's instructed us. He's given us stories and examples. Well, it's not plainly laid out there. Wow! That would be the same complaint that people had about Jesus. His disciples went to Him all the time. How come you don't, you don't plainly explain things? I mean, look, the guy who could read your mind certainly can make himself understood to you. But have you figured it out yet that he don't just lay it out there? Why? Reckon why that would be. Reckon why come? Reckon why come he does that. Y'all understand that? Reckon why come? <laughs> like I told you, I'm from Alabama. The re- reckon why come. Well, why come he does that is because he wants to be sought out. And any, the quality of any relationship is measured by the effort that's put into it. And I'm not talking about works. So it's not going to be plain. He wants you to seek Him out. There's extraordinary treasures to be discovered. And this thing about how to deal with God when He does new things and what we should do, it's a really big deal. And we get in chaos. And if we don't mine it out, if we don't search it out, then we just stay in chaos. And God doesn't want us to live in chaos. So look, let's not tear off a piece, a piece that seems okay with us and slap it on this old thing. We got a hole in our shirt and we know we need something new. Don't just grab a piece that God is doing and try to repair something old. That's one of the dynamics. How about this? He told them this parable. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskin will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants, wants new. For he says, the old is better. So let's say we, it just so happens. See, see, God is going to do the new thing. The new wine is coming. But the new thing that God is doing, if we don't respond right, will cause destruction. That's what this is. If we don't get a new wineskin to go along with the new wine so that they can mature, season, and grow together, the seams are going to tear. Because new wine, really, that's unfermented grape juice, and so it has to go through alcoholic fermentation. And the way they did things back then is they would put all this in a seasoning skin. And the skin was new. And the wine was new. And it went through the whole transformation process of seasoning together. And you know, we have another bad habit. Every time we sniff out new wine, we go over there and we pour it all out. And we drink it all up while it's new. And yeah, it tastes different from what we were drinking... And so we think that it's extraordinary and we're measuring the extraordinary quality based on the difference. Not based on the seasoned nature of the new thing that we're drinking up. Before it's really ready to be drunk. Well that's what this is. Doesn't it say that? No one, once they drink seasoned wine, it, it doesn't say seasoned, but that's what it means. It, does, it says old. It doesn't mean old like rent. Y'all know what rurnt is? Ruined. <laughs> you know if you if you leave milk out on the counter enough, it'll run. <laughs> now you understand what run means. <laughs> It doesn't mean ruined, old as in no good, moldy, full of poison. No. When it says old here, it means seasoned. It means vintage. And if there's anything our country needs right now, it's the people of God who are vintage, who are seasoned. Because once people taste that, they go, wow. Nobody wants the new thing, meaning the unseasoned, immature Thing. So a local church is a place for us to season. He's given apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for building us up for works of service. That's the seasoning process, but the growth process really is the seasoning process. And every time God does something new, we need to have, we need to wait on God and allow Him to season the thing that that is being done. We, 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 we have a hard time with this. Like we either don't get a new wineskin and so God is going to give new wine. And so the new wine goes in the old wineskin and the seams rip and there's destruction. And all the, all the new wine, which is the future's potential, it just leaks out on the ground. Or we stumble on to the fact that we get a new wineskin and he fills it up with new wine Man, we get so excited and we're so impatient and we're like, wow, this is a new thing. Come over here and drink from the new wine. Well, nobody likes it once you taste something vintage. The problem is we only have hints of what would be but we never arrive at the reality of the full thing that God wants to do because we get in a hurry. Meaning we don't like the process the process is turbulent if you look at alcoholic fermentation like internally on a micro level it's violent it's turbulent it causes change it goes through a, ch- a molecular change and and there are substances that come to be that were not there before just by letting it season and so the question really is, is where are we today? God is doing a new thing, so we have a choice. Are we going to pine for what was? Oh, I just want things to stabilize and go back to normal. Now, I get it. I'm not suggesting that we stay in the suffering that we're in and that God wants us to suffer and the hardship that we're under that are truly problems and that are causing things, even death. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the opportunity that's embedded with the reality none of us can change. What we can't do is... Understand theologically God's doing a new thing and just take it on the old thing and have us not change, not change our attitudes, not change our heart and not embrace the new thing that God is doing. He is doing. New wine is here. The question is, are we going to respond in such a way that it causes something extraordinary and vintage and, blow, and will produce something that is blow-your-mind quality that people seek after and are willing to pay any price for? You know, there's some bottles of wine that are insanely expensive. Why? I don't drink wine. I'm not into that. But I know this about that. What, may, what gives it its value? The length. Of time that it seasons. It's the harvest it comes from. And it's the length of time that it seasons. Right? People seek after it. People will seek after the truth. If what we emit, if what we transmit is vintage and we can't do that by... We certainly can't do it by living in fear. We can't. We shouldn't. The people of God are not supposed to live in fear. Wisdom is one thing, fear is another. And only you and God are the ones who know what it is that's causing you to make your decisions. So God's preventing, presenting an opportunity... So I want you to close your eyes real quick. I know I've like blown the time thing to smithereens here. And I want to be honoring to people's time. So what I want you to do is, hopefully you get my point, right? The good old days weren't really that good. And so we shouldn't wish for them. God is doing a new thing and so... Let's don't take on the new thing that he's doing over the old. We can't new... You you know, if you've ever had a new shirt. They're uncomfortable. Sometimes they're scratchy. They don't fit well. We want to wear the old worn out thing because of how comfortable it is. And so... I don't know anybody that likes to put on a scratchy new shirt. But God has a process for us to work through that scratchy, uncomfortable stage so that it, became, it, can, it can start to fit. Because if we only take apart a piece of the new, it won't match the old. And both things are from God. But this is a dynamic, really, that's happening. And so what I want you to do is right now, just do some business with God and tell Him, Lord, I want a new wineskin. Just tell Him right now, Lord, give me a new wineskin. I yield. I'm going to drop the old. I'm going to quit pining. I'm going to forget the past. All the positives and negatives. The past helped me get here. But here I am at the new thing. So let me walk according to your principles, O God. Let me take on a new wineskin to contain the new wine and then give me the patience and the life and the understanding to be hung up and allowed to season. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.